0: life's a little sweeter here on dazed and infused
1: welcome 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 back to another episode of dazed and infused i'm latham woodward your host tonight we are very privileged to have holden jagger aka gangier here with us to talk about food edibles and drinks in the cannabis space welcome holden
2: hey how's it going guys
1: <laughs> good to have you here man um Holden and I have known each other for a little bit, and uh, he's worked with his sister on altered plates, which can be found online. And uh, I believe you're a classically trained chef, isn't that right,
2: Holden? Uh, yeah, I've worked for some of the biggest names in the restaurant industry, um, and I've you know I've worked with the best. I've 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 done it all in the traditional hospitality space, and. I've spent the last few years sharing my talents with uh, with cannabis.
1: Brandon. Nice. I saw that you worked with Tom Colecchio. In-
2: yeah, I worked. Uh, I worked with Tom uh, here at Craft in Los Angeles. Uh, I opened Curtis Stone's restaurant uh, in Beverly Hills, uh, restaurant called Maud. Mm-hmm. And I also uh, i I worked at the uh, Soho House. Uh, I was the executive pastry chef there. Um, I always kind of tended to work kind of in the highest end places I could. It sort of suited um, kind of my hunger for learning as much about technique, about ingredients. Um, I'm I'm incredibly well versed in everything that grows, so I try to share that same knowledge, that same love for you know the the passion and and and, and admiration I have for plums. You know, I try to take that same understanding and equate it to cannabis as well.
1: Cool. Well, you know, um, I was reading a lot of your stuff that you have online. You do have a lot of stuff online. Um, combining the flavors and terpene profiles in food, I that's very important to you. And I also noticed that you're not so concerned about the stony effect of the cannabis, but you're more into the flavor profile and how it affects the food in terms of its flavor. And I found that interesting because there so much of the other camp goes in the stony direction. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I mean, there is... Um, an element of the world that I come from that celebrates, you know, the, the interactions of the land and uh, the humans in the agricultural process, whether that be wine, whether that be cheese, whether that be aged meats or fresh produce. Mm -hmm. So that, that human element um, is incredibly, you know, it's incredibly important to the stories I've told tableside and to, you know, to share that same passion with cannabis, um, it's not necessarily about the inebriative aspect. It's about the story that is associated with it, and the story with cannabis starts with its flavor. It is uh, the first thing you do when you encounter the product. You know, you have this this visual assessment, um, and and something that's also very interesting is just like a flower. Um, and as, as we make these comparisons often to wine or whiskey or any other, um, anything you might find in a glass, you can't really like touch that in the same way. Mm-hmm. So cannabis is unique amongst these inebriative um, products that we're putting tableside, where it has this tactile thing as well. Um, visually, you know, yes, we can, we can observe the color of the glass and, and the way that the light shines through it. but Cannabis is just such an amazing um, touchstone to bring so many elements of what we do tableside as chefs, as sommeliers. Um, it just fits in so nicely, um, and it it you know it's part of the reason that it's it's had such a proliferation um, amongst this sort of you know chef and hospitality community. So, do you think? Going into the future, let's just say we're at
1: ground zero now, basically, because we're out of 18, we're out of 2019. We're merging into a more mature marketplace and more mature products like my product, which is taking a long time to get off the ground because people aren't used to it. You know, they don't really know. I mean, the niche ingredients are kind of new. And where do you think this is going in the next year two years, um, more refinement, better product, um, a more diverse kind of knowledge base toward all of cannabis. What's your
2: take on it? Well, I think consumer choice is really going to start to play a role in um, how these brands survive the next few years, because obviously right now there's a big pinch. There's a big sort of collapse on mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's going to make it through the next round? You know, we're, we're seeing some traditional uh, financing dry up, and it's really going to come down to what's what's the product, what's the what's in the what's in the bag, what's in the edible or the infusion, because there's going to be a need for um, a higher level of understanding, a more predictable result out of your edible experience. And then out of your smoked flower or, you know, your vape or um, concentrate, you're going to want to have something that tells, you know, a little bit more of a a story that you associate with um, and that also has, you know, some better principles that are attached to it because the... You know, the, 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 I, I purchase organic wine. I purchase organic food. You know, uh, there's, there's a certain uh, consumer that goes after those things. And that consumer, um, they, they have a tendency to spend their money on products that, um, you know, tell that story that, that have a better connection to, you know, the earth and to protecting our um, our way of life that we we have currently.
1: So let's let's talk about something that I call the hangover effect. And the hangover effect affects everyone in the edible space. And I've had a lot of conversations the last two weeks about this. The hangover effect that I'm referring to is basically remember the thousand milligram corova bars and how that experience for so many people. Destroyed their palate, so to speak, right? Air quotes there, because they're like, oh, you know, I had the worst experience of my life on this. That's that negative still holds through today. And it's still there's some cascading effect from it. And I think it affects the marketplace. It affects the people who are looking for products and it affects the people who want cannabis, but don't necessarily want to smoke. So Now, thankfully, I think the guidelines of the state is put forth with 100 milligrams per package, and that's all you can do. Um, Hopefully, this is going to change the tenor of the industry, the tenor of the edible space. And hopefully, we're all going to see maturity change the way edibles are looked at.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the science is what I've been waiting for on, on edibles. So you're talking about the hangover, right? Um, for the, no,
1: it's just like the experiential. Yeah,
2: hangover. no, but like that oh, yeah. that, that. oh, well, like, so for the experiential yeah. hangover, um, my sister and I, uh, we have done, we've been doing weed parties and events and dinners for four or five years now. And, you know, when we first started doing it, it was just this constant thing every single one who's had a bad experience on edibles and everyone would raise their hand. And it was just like this almost cliche. We'd see it every weekend. Um, and that was, that was in the medical era and, and less and less did that become like the main focus of, uh, of these, you know, events. And, and you started to hear that question less and less. However, I don't think that that, you know, overconsumption um, is, is occurring, uh, less frequently because, of any other reason that we do have this testing and this information that's available to the consumer that's able to make these choices that are like, yes, these limitations are, you know, recommendable because of what happens chemically with with what goes on with THC right now. And that's what I think is kind of the really exciting space that we're going to be able to see edibles go, like controlling what your body does with these chemicals and, and how many... Uh, molecules are, are able to have um, a, a higher level of bioavailability, create a more determined and precise effect. Like those are going to be the really interesting things, especially when you talk about the beverage market, because yeah. I foresee a time when the beverage market and smoked flour are the major components of, of the marketplace because I don't, th- I don't see smoked flour becoming less popular um, I, I see it maybe being more categorized because, you know, you have you have Budweiser and you have you know craft beer and you have you know Charles Shaw and you have you know natural wine that yeah. you know costs an arm and a leg.
1: It's Three stuff. buck Chuck now or four buck Chuck. Yeah, they,
2: it much. used to be two bucks. It's just the, the yeah. there's inflation and, and and the rest of uh, society not keeping up with it.
1: No, uh, and I think that those guidelines, like you're saying, those are creating these parameters like. For instance, let's just use something that everyone can get behind. You're not going to go to a bar and go, barkeep, give me two shots of Everclear. Okay? Let's do <laughs> this thing, right? And get one for everybody in the house. Because that's insane. And those are guidelines, right? They're guidelines that people understand.
2: I've, I've been doing this a long time. Uh, and... To say that I haven't made my own green dragon and recommended that someone take a shot or two. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, I, I, I've, i come on, I've had a horrible time on edibles. I remember, yeah. I remember um, eating like a spice cake that my sister-in-law made for me in <coughs> 2013, and, and it was like Super Bowl Sunday. I was curled up in a ball and I basically, like, I just had my wife throw me in the car and drive because I couldn't, like, I was just like, I just need to move. It was so horrible. I, I can't cope. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, and, and, and that's at a fully, you know, I'm a, a fully formed adult that's made these horrible choices many times. I over, you know, overconsumption is something that happens Yeah, and that, and that's because you don't necessarily have the best science associated with it. You don't have a, a strong understanding of, what you're consuming or, you know, you, you make a careless
1: error. Um, So we're, we're going to go into the first break here and we're going to come back. And when we get back, we're going to talk about meats and veg and cannabis and we're going to pick it up in about two minutes. We'll be right back with Holden Jagger.
0: We'll be back to crave your sweet tooth with more dazed and infused right after this Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. How sweet it is. Dazed and Infused is back only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: To Dazed and Infused, I'm Latham Woodward with Holden Jagger, our guest tonight, also known as the Gangier, which a title I love, Holden. Uh did you invent
2: that term? No. Um when Rachel and I went to Humboldt in 2015, we went to the Golden Tarp Awards, so light mm-hmm. deprivation uh contest. I don't believe they have it um because of a lot of legal things that are going on in the event space. Mm-hmm. Um but uh there the guy that put it on was Gangier, and if you think of the terms, you have Sommelier, it's a French term. Um, you know these these. Uh, I don't like the term cannabis sommelier because no. sommelier means it's something. You know, it's not like
1: where's your little tin cup or underneath. You
2: it's, it's not a generalized term <laughs> either way. You know, it means, yeah. it means something. So you know, might as well. And they made it up at a certain point. You know, they made up. They, we make up words in this society. So yeah. it's it's a term that I've I've taken on. I've always enjoyed the the, the term ganja. And if we're talking about food, it's, it's how the French would speak of it. So like, yeah. I, I, I think it's a pretty fitting term and, you know, I think there's a lot of cannabis sommeliers, cannabis flavor experts, people that do a lot of this stuff with, um, with food and cannabis and pairings. But I think what makes my approach a little bit different, first off, I, I do have a, um, a um, cultivation background. I've, I've, I've cultivated lots and lots of cannabis. You, but
1: you still grow your own, right? I
2: still grow. I have started, I just started 40 seeds. I'll make my selection down for, um, you know, my, my six plants per property. Um, nice. and I still get them big and, you know, I have a, I have a good time with it. Um, and I do things with the males culinarily. I, I pickle them. I, I fry them. I saute them with, uh, with chili oil and fermented soybeans. I've, um, I've done all sorts of fun stuff with that, you know, specific plant that gets very little attention, very little conversation spoken about it. But mm-hmm. if we didn't have males, we'd have really seedy weed because yeah. every plant would be a hermaphrodite.
1: It'd all um, be sansamia. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so the,
2: uh, the 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 approach that I take obviously has a lot to do with how cannabis is grown, and that's yeah. a major focus of what I do, and it's a major focus of of you know, the, the food I buy for the dinners that I do, shopping at uh, farmer's markets and buying from uh, meat purveyors that I appreciate and enjoy. And I, I appreciate the, the stewardship that they show to the land and that the stewardship that they show to the animals because, you know, it takes a lot of work. I'm, I'm you know, currently looking at a space where in the um, medical era, I produced a lot of cannabis kind of in a, a very gray area. And mm-hmm. now I'm spending the last few weeks converting it fully into growing vegetables because I'm looking at this current time and I, I know that's going to be a major need to have more locally grown vegetables in the area where I live. And, oh, yeah. you know, and it's going to, it's going to be helpful for me considering that I don't know where these, where, where the next cannabis event is going to take place and how I'm going to be cooking for it. So with
1: me, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll see.
2: Yeah, like,
1: hey, um, I got a quick, uh, going back to the meat thing, the animal. Okay. sure. Um, I'm a meat eater. I, I grew up around animals my entire life, um, meaning cows, sheep, goats, everything. Um, I've never seen a cannabis sausage. Have you ever made that? Um, Like with seeds. I'm talking about males. You know, that's a typical ingredient.
2: I haven't done it with males. I I know um, that hemp greens have been put into it in a very, very legal fashion. Um, Mm -hmm. There's an actual, there's a place in upstate New York called JD Farms. Uh, I'll give them a quick shout out because they do, um, they have done a lot of really good work in the very, very legal edible hemp seed space. But for a while there, they were working with some cannabis leaves uh, and it kind of, uh, or hemp leaves, and they were putting them in sausage. Um, but the, the guy that's doing it the most legally right now in the United States is my friend, uh, David Heldreth out mm-hmm. of Seattle, who's doing Z's Farms which is hemp greens that are going to have FDA approval for you know your consumption at a, at, at a table. And they're fantastic. I've used them uh, at Summit. Um, when I did the James Beard House, we served hemp greens um, from Hudson Hemp in uh, the Hudson Valley in New York as well. And uh, we, we are very passionate about them as a microgreen, as an ingredient in all sorts of salads. It has an amazing amount of protein. Um, and in sausage, I think, is a really great way to do it because they they can be um, prepared very nicely to have a lot of aromatic sort of punch as well.
1: And, yeah, a little, a little bit like a spinach maybe.
2: Yeah, right? it, well, I mean, it, it has, you know, there are, without cannabinoids, there are a number of terpenes that you can get through the leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and just just as something that's an added protein content, it's food.
1: Like that earthy flavor too.
2: Yeah, and... Yeah. and and the males actually have a very, very intriguing sort of texture to them. The way they pop um, yeah. with the pollen in them, it's it's a very unique ingredient.
1: Have you ever had the sausage, like a French sausage with um, anise seed in it? Have you yeah. ever had that?
2: Yeah, super good, um, super good. We we uh, we pick wild uh, anise that grows all over here. Uh, I live in Topanga Canyon, mm-hmm. and um, years ago when I was a sous chef at Craft, I actually. I was on good food and we went and uh har- harvested uh wild anise for uh for an ice cream that we were doing at the time. So yeah, we were doing a wild fennel ice cream, was very tasty.
1: So in terms of like um if someone were to use the um hemp fla- not the flower but the leaf the would you use like would you use like a sun leaf or you're going to use yeah. Le- yeah. Har- yeah, it, the bigger.
2: harvest it, yeah, harvest it before it's in a full flower. You know, I mean the trichomes don't make it very easy to eat when they're fully developed and, they're, and you know they're fully coating the plant like those those oils are not necessarily the most palatable directly on your uh, on your mouth with without cooking or without using right uh, some sort of technique but you know the leaf in the vegetative form it it can offer a good amount of flavor uh and it has a nice texture and it's you know in and, and smart applications of, it's it's honestly quite
1: delicious let me ask you this um have you ever done you I'm sure you've done this an old French cooking trick but um the sage leaf
2: mm-hmm.
1: in oil then salted have you ever done that with like were a you, were you, uh
2: curate in, in an oil
1: no no you're actually frying it
2: yeah yeah, yeah. so like uh, a, a,
1: have you done that with a
2: broadleaf I thought yeah a number of times uh, you know more of like a a garnish or an accoutrement. honestly one of the most the, the the just sauteed uh, aerial male flowers, like the pollen-producing sacs, sort of just yeah. take take a large. You know, I've i given the opportunity of where I live. I've I've grown pretty decent-sized male plants before. Before they've gone full crazy. I mean, do I, your I, neighbors hate you? I I don't care. First <laughs> off, uh, <No. laughs> if they they'd be lucky to have some seeds for me. I have some very very okay. fantastic genetics locally.
1: I'm gonna hit you up next time. <laughs>
2: And and I you know given what I know about uh, growing anything, if you breed something where you are going to grow it out, it's going to perform much better than if you're getting seeds from Humboldt or from some guy in his um, you know closet that's throwing pollen around. Sure, it might be fantastic genetic stock, but as far as performance goes, you know if I grew tomatoes generation after generation under fluorescent lighting or even really good lighting to produce seeds. It it would It would be a degradation to be able to pop those same seeds yeah. outside. You would you would see a major shock. So
1: classic cloning.
0: I, errors.
2: I, I grow fantastic strong seeds and, and, and my, my males are you know selected for for bigger and for, for uh, you know all sorts of reasons. So they'd be yeah. lucky <laughs> You know,
1: <laughs> you know um, years ago um, I used to swim in uh, college with a, a guy named Yukiyoshi Tanaka. Mm-hmm. Shout out to you. He's in um, Holland now. And um, Yuki used to bring me these crazy little sesame treats from Japan, right? They were little candies. huh. They had, all had hemp seed in them, Yeah, them. Yeah, so there's like amazing hemp culture in Japan. Has yeah, been for a long time. You get these things, you're like, I was like, Yuki, these are marijuana, you know, cannabis seeds. And he's like, no, no, of course not. I'm like, yeah, dude, look. And I showed him one from Oregon because I went to University of Oregon. I was just like, here, look, man. It's like, oh, yes, this is interesting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, Japan has a very um, pronounced and deep hemp culture, very well-distinguished from the drug um, aspects of the plant, Uh, and a a lot of their perceived understandings, because I, I do believe prior to World War II, it had a much stronger classification even amongst the drug society as, as or drug classifications as a medicine yeah so that understanding becoming more westernized obviously um that understanding like many understandings of japan shifted very very quickly um after the war unfortunately so, yeah
1: so we've got one minute left um in this segment and do you have any quickie things just off the top of your head and sorry to sandbag you here but with uh, people who are home in quarantine, right? Mm-hmm. Other than having taking sugars out of a packet yeah. like I make and putting into some food, do you have anything a quick and easy edible for someone at home to make with maybe um, what they got at home? I a can yeah, of butter.
2: I, I mean, sure, it takes make. Like, I I enjoy some of the, the old shakedown uh, edibles, what I sure. call them. So yep. I, I've always reminisced about the goo ball. You ever had a goo ball?
1: Yeah, years ago.
2: Captain Crunch seems to be really really important in the Google yeah. because uh-huh. of its absorption but also the way it cuts your mouth and and the THC butter goes directly into your bloodstream right Right on the soft palate. It's truly really phenomenal.
1: And as okay. the Captain Crunch scars your mouth oh, it as just, you're eating yeah, it it. so you it's going up. right into your bloodstream. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know, that's a good one. Look up you know, goo balls if you're listening balls. at home. Yeah, well, you're take, in quarantine. Take
2: cereal, melt some, melt some butter and sugar together, pour it over the cereal, and then take peanut butter or marshmallow, melted marshmallow. It's it's just garbage. But dear God, you're don't stuck have, in
1: quarantine. Who don't cares? have a
2: terrible experience, right? Like whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, we're going to go to break and we're going to come back. And when we get back, we're going to talk to Holden about what I like to call stony story. That's how I end most of my podcasts. And we'll ask Holden what he's up to in the future and destigmatizing cannabis. And we're going to start with that subject when we come right back.
0: We'll be back to crave your sweet tooth with more Dazed and Infused right after this.
1: Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart.
2: Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out.
1: Garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com.
0: How sweet it is! Dazed and Infused is back only on cannabisradio.com.
1: Welcome back to Dazed and Infused. I'm Latham Woodward here again with Holden Jagger. And we came um, out of the last segment talking about. Um, a lot of things, but we're now we're going to talk about the de-stigma, destigmatization or oh, however destigmatizing cannabis, and that's a big effort on my part with Suggies. We're trying to get cannabis out of the gray area and into the, the wide open blue space for everyone to enjoy. I know it's part of your mission too, right? Destigmatizing, making it mainstream.
2: Oh yeah, I mean I am I'm the father of two children. I'm you know it's. I've been on PTA boards. I mean, like the the things I do to, like you know, just be like, oh, you don't want anybody to say, oh, he's just some lazy stoner." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like I, I go, I try to go above and beyond, and you know, I think that as far as the evils uh, that I've seen come out of alcohol, cannabis is not anything closely.
1: Um, oh my god, it pales in
2: comparison. Yeah, and it, it's as far it's it's. It's not, it's like, it's not a, it's a non starter from a medical perspective. It drives me crazy. If you looked at this analytically and we just did some, you know, just a little bit of data, you know, analysis and compared these things, and it would look just plain as day. This one causes way less harm than that one. That one should be illegal. This one isn't. I mean, alcohol today wouldn't get FDA approval if we didn't have such a love for it.
1: No, the medical impacts of alcohol alone, yes. not including mental health
2: or social or everything oh. that comes along with. The, I mean, you, it's, it's, you'd it's,
1: never get it approved.
2: It's ever. like a, it's like a, a origami crane, practically. How integrated <laughs> it is into our society. It's,
1: oh, it's it's crazy. I mean, so destigmatization of there you go, I finally said it of, of cannabis is very important. I mean, right now we're at this nexus taking it from, you know, not taking it from, but ingratiating stoner culture into mainstream culture, into mom and pop culture, into grandpa and grandma. We're we're at that point now. We're at that place where it tips, where it becomes part of our, our lexicon. It comes becomes part of our verbiage. It becomes part of our life going forward. And I think we're all, you, me, and so many other people are on the same mission here because we've all fallen in love with the planet. We all use it daily. We all really like... To be around it and like the people we find around it, and I think that's important for people at home. To you're not alone if you're smoking weed right now in your bathroom, still.
2: You're probably you're probably pretty common right now.
1: Honestly, (laughs) right now you're super common. Yeah, I have to note just in historical, we are in the midst of the coronavirus thing, and uh, it's uh, looking like it's going to go for just a little longer. Hopefully, not too much longer. So let's let's talk about what I like to talk about, and that's Stony story. Every episode, we like to talk to our guests about a, a story that just comes to mind. It might be funny, might be tragically funny, but it's just something that everyone's experienced. What do you got for us today?
2: Um, I like I like police and weed stories. Uh, yeah, there you go. Preferably from high school. Yeah. Um, but I I think we went a little bit above and beyond with the military. Mm-hmm. Um. When I I I was also a swimmer in high school, and I I mm-hmm. played wa- I played water polo as well. Me too. Um, but for political reasons, I did not play my senior year water polo. Um. So I went with a buddy of mine that we um we swam together. So we were on the swim team together. and We were going to go see all our friends that swam on the team with us and we'd go play in a, you know, CIF semifinal game, mm-hmm. um, Southern California section. Uh, division one, of course. Uh, So we, we, we were going to Los Alamos uh, Air Force base and we were obviously let's, let's, you know, roll one before we go. And then uh, we had the genius moment where neither of us like, or or we we turned to each other and we said, Hey, let's, uh, let's not bring the quarter ounce with us. Let's just bring this joint. And I got, I had a convertible. And we'll put the top down. We'll smoke the joint. We'll fucking roll into the thing. We'll park, you know, Air Force Base right after 9-11. No big deal, right? Like, whatever. Easy we money. We got this. We got this. <laughs> you know, every, like, all the teachers, all the prints, like, all the administrative people were at, you know, coming into the game. And we roll into the gate. And the guy with the m 16s like, what the fuck's wrong with you two? And we're like, what are you talking about? He's like, where's the weed? You know, like, "Where's, where's the pot? you guys can't come in. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we, what do you mean? So they pull us aside. They start trying to search us. They couldn't like get us to like admit to having it on us, but they were like about ready to like cut my seats open. And, And then the chaplain from the school comes over and starts talking to them being like, these are kids that go to the school. They're on our swim team. They're here to see their friends. And at this point it's like, 20 dudes with M16 oh, and god. me and my buddy in handcuffs on a curb with like everybody everybody's parents like I can hear my phone going off from in the car from my parents just calling repeatedly because they're getting called from their
1: friends. Oh god.
2: But it was a good time honestly because we didn't get to see the game and they lost anyways and
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alright hold it. That's a good Stony story. I like it. So uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Believe it or not, that's thirty minutes. So you got anything to plug?
2: Um, go check out Altered Plates uh, Events, Altered Plates Hospitality. Um, check out my sister, Smoke Sip Saver, uh, and Rachel Burkins, Rachel Burkins, B-U-R-K-O-N-S. dot com. Um, and um, my personal website's coming out soon, but uh, follow me on Instagram at Chef Holden Jagger or uh, at Altered Plates Hospitality. And uh, looking forward to seeing you soon, someday.
1: Right on, man. As soon as I can get down there again, I'll, I'll look you up. And as always, this show is brought to you by Suggies at www.shuggies.com. That's dot com, Where you can find wonderful agave and sugar in individual stick packs to add to your quarantine lifestyle. Please use it after quarantine because it's a good product. Thanks you so much, Holden. It's good to see you, even virtually. Thanks, Zoom. Talk to you soon.
2: Take it easy.
1: All right. Bye-bye. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited